Let man only keep his gaze fixed on his goal. Let him keep his faith in destiny. Let him not shrink from using the strength that is his. And in times of anxiety and discouragement, let all of his thought be for mankind. Léon Blum, the first Jewish prime minister of France, wrote in his book, A l'échelle humaine, a meditation on the collapse of France in, uh, to Germany in, in 1940. Now, I think most people would agree with the general sentiment of this quote, which is that the highest calling for any person is to achieve a better world. But the problem is, what is that better world? How do we get there? And of course, what does it look like? Welcome back to Swingvo, where today we have two very special guests from Ballard High School. I am Eden Gavert from the Ballard High School Philosophy and Ethics team. Hi, I'm Juliette Klein from the Ballard High School debate team. And we are very excited to look at today what the ideal society will be. So what will it look like? How do we get there? Is it socialism? Capitalism? Distributist 19th century Catholic economic theory? Probably not that last one, but each participant will be making their case for their ideal society and what it looks like. And it will be up to you, the listener, to decide who made their perfect world sound the most compelling to you. Without further ado, let's jump into the discussion. So I would say that the first and most important element of my society and the axiom upon which I would judge it is individual freedom. I believe in things like democracy and I am anti-capitalist because I believe that capitalism infringes on freedom and that democracy is inherently the most free form of governance. As such, any government that exists in my ideal society would be one that would have to be deeply democratic and more importantly would have to have much more direct democracy than we see in most quote-unquote democracies around the world today. So that means I'm not looking for a republic or a representative democracy. I want to see people making, I want them engaging on every level. This is why I advocate for things like worker cooperatives or employee operated firms, which allow individuals to make democratic decisions, not only at the polls, but at the workplace as well. Because I believe that the highest calling, the most important axis by which we must judge our societies is freedom. And as democracy leads to freedom, therefore the democratization of society should be the highest priority. As such, I do not advocate for a very powerful government that guides people. I don't believe that the government should ban anything that is not absolutely necessary to be made illegal. And I believe that, honestly, as it, I'm not an anarchist, so I do not believe that we need to, that the state altogether needs to be abolished, but I do believe it needs to be severely weakened and its role shrunk massively in everyday life. Because I believe that a government must be one that only does the bare minimum. And what government can do well, for example, centralized healthcare from the government should be done. But outside of uh, but it is sort of a uh, last resort, if you would. It is what is used when it is the most effective tool. And that would essentially be my government, a minimal government that nonetheless performs roles such as providing centralized health, centralized universal single payer health care to do things to, in a way that would be more efficient than more localized communities doing so. But of course, my point of view is not the only one on the show. So does anyone else have uh, does anyone else agree or disagree with what I have posited or propose an alternative? Um, I would agree that capitalism is inherently both exploitative and undemocratic. I think that, especially in the, like, short term, we should be trying to um, integrate more democratic systems into our economy because people are being exploited, and I do think that 
the value of profit over well-being is incredibly both unjust and not what what our goal should be as a society. So I think that the systems like the cooperative firms and like labor unions and things like that, and I also think that public banks, I don't think banking should be um, privatized, but I think maybe long run, I was looking into a system called the resource-based economy where a lot of people predict that at some point capitalism just won't even function, it'll become obsolete because we'll be able to produce things so efficiently that we, and with the integration of technology such as 3D printers and um, automation, we won't need labor and we won't need people to be in these workforces. So at some point, we won't even have the ability to have compete, competing markets and the free market will just not function very well. So I think my ideal society would definitely have a, a type of like economic democracy early on and then later would almost focus less on economics entirely and more on collaboration and like existing peacefully with each other. A sort of Star Trek socialism, if you would. Uh, I think I think I've heard the term, but yes, okay, that's a very interesting. That's a very interesting hypothetical. Uh, Juliet, do you have uh, any disagreements, or do you agree with either what I have said or what Eden has said? Um, I think I agree more with what you've said so far, Harry. Um, I do agree with Eden with like the theory that capitalism will someday no longer function even though it's hard to tell when that will be um, but I definitely think that my ideal society would be classless I don't know about moneyless I don't know how um, realistic that would be I think there would have to be some some type of money maybe not actual money or like a way to trade or something like that and then a government definitely that provides healthcare and things it needs to provide, but also can't and doesn't overstep their boundaries. All right, so I think, oh, I, I believe that everyone has stated, uh, so far has stated a pretty uh, leftist view. Uh, Muhammad, do you agree with this uh, anti-capitalist view? Well, as you may know, I do not agree with this view. I respectfully disagree, so. I believe that a government, I agree with the idea that we should have a limited government, a weaker central government. I'm not an anarchist. Um, and I do agree freedom is what we should be valuing in our society, more specifically liberty, the negative liberty, as in no other person should aggress upon your rights and your liberties, especially to life, liberty, and property. So my case for capitalism is the fact that it's actually the most pro-freedom, most pro-liberty. You and every other person can go around with their, your dollars and go uh, choose democratically what you want to buy at any point in time. And you can go ahead and start your own business as you want in a socialist or planned economy, even if it is a supposedly um, worker cooperative, libertarian, socialist economy. The fact of the matter is, if you don't conform to the idea of having a specific type of firm that's not producing profits, that's egalitarian, then you're going to be shut down which is anti-freedom, but inherently. Not to mention the fact that there's the empirical case for freedom and capitalism. Um, there is a positive correlation between freedom 
and higher economic growth, uh, economic freedom, by the way, and actually to a degree, social freedom actually registers on that too. So there's the other side, but countries that have higher levels of economic freedom do better and uh, are provide better for their citizens. Um, you know, we can look at, we can see, you know, obvious drastic examples uh, when China was a full on planned economy in the 1960s and 70s, it was very poor, but with Deng Xiaoping and pro-freedom reforms, uh, he liberalized the economy. China is now a high uh, middle income country. As same India's rising power as well, because they adopted uh, more, more free market reforms in the 90s. Um, the empirical case for free market capitalism, it, in my opinion, clearly, overrides any case for a socialist or um, uh, non-free market uh, style economic plan. And while yes, perhaps one day we can reach a post-scarcity society where all of our needs are um, attended to, in the meantime, free market capitalism is clearly the way. And all the richest countries in the world have followed the free market capitalist system and have brought prosperity to the average citizen that kings and queens of the past would, could never have dreamed of. Um, Muhammad, is the only goal to be rich? No, um, but that is a side effect. I believe that freedom is what we should value the most. And most, I was arguing that with capitalism, you have the most amount of freedom because you are free to do as you wish with the means of production, with your dollars, uh, choose what course uh, in your life you want. And that's why freedom is most compatible with capitalism compared to socialism. That's what I'm saying. Um, now, Mahood, I think that I, I do see what you're talking about, especially with this, the theory of like free market capitalism and the ideal free market capitalism. But I think especially now with the way that capitalism has developed and how it's corrupt or become corrupt, it's almost taking away people's freedom because you need to work a certain amount in order to earn a livelihood, in order to keep existing. And so you almost have no freedom in this system because if you don't have the type of education that allows you to have a really good job that's giving you a lot of opportunities, you end up just needing to take any job at all. And the, the fact is capitalism is almost manipulating people into getting exploited because they have to take these jobs in order just to survive. Um, I do think there are ways that we could kind of alter capitalism to make it work better. I do think that if we were kind of trying to make smaller changes, I think UBIs are really good, universal basic income, because it would kind of put a little bit of power back into the working class's hands and out of corporations who are able to exploit people for their labor because they know they have, or the general population doesn't have any other options. Uh, so I understand uh, your position. I would say that my definition of freedom, as I said earlier, is a sort of negative uh, liberty, which is the idea that your rights are not infringed by others. That is what I define by freedom. I do not define freedom as you're entitled to certain things. You have to be guaranteed a good job with high pay. That is not what I mean by freedom. But on that subject, um, when it comes to that, even Karl Marx says that, you know, you have to, you have to work in order to eat. So you have to, at the end of the day, so you got to work in order to, you know, get compensated. So that, at, until we have like a Star Trek side sort of society, you're going to have to, you know, put in the work in order to be, you know, fed and housed and clothed, et cetera. 
So I think that's fact of life for now. Um, I will say that is what I thought for a while. Um, but I do think a lot more with automation and the way that we are losing all of these jobs to technology, we don't need to be working as much as we are. And I think this value of our culture on productivity is negative because people end up working in jobs they don't enjoy and they're jobs that don't need to be there. They're not necessary. We have actually started working more in recent years than we had in the past. And economists and people who are studying society were saying that we should by now be working like three to seven hours, I think, a, a week because technology should have outsourced human labor. And the idea that we need to work just to survive doesn't make sense anymore because we have machines that are more productive than humans ever could be. And it, like we, we could be focusing more on culture and enjoying life and things that aren't so harsh because I think that the idea that we have to work has always been true, I agree, but we haven't always had the technology that we have now. And in the future, I'm definitely expecting us to not have to hardly work at all because machines are going to just outperform us. But I don't know. I think there, the fact that there is enough, like maybe, I'm not sure if it's enough or twice as much food in the world to feed everyone, then, then there, like we could completely eliminate hunger if we were better at supplying things to different people. And they don't need to be working super hard for that food. Even working is not getting them that food because capitalism is not dispersing things evenly. And so the idea that it's going, that just working is getting you what you need doesn't seem true anymore because you could work super hard. You could be working two jobs at once and still not be able to support your family. I just think that capitalism in theory does seem like a good idea, but in practice, it just is not performing the way we expect it to. I do not wish to join. I, I, if I may, uh, I suppose, complete the dog pile upon my poor friend Muhammad. Um, I think that I would like to respond to several of the charges because, I mean, he did explicitly talk about how he was prioritizing freedom. And obviously I said how I was prioritizing freedom. So here we get into that discrepancy. We both want freedom, but how do you get there? Um, and I, I guess I just can't agree with some of the assertions he made. Um, one, he asserted that um, essentially freer markets, the, kind of like the freer the markets, the freer the people. Now, you know, Muhammad's not. I, don't, I assume, Muhammad, you're not like one of those, you know, absolute zealots who believes that as soon as there's liberalizing of the economy, everything gets better. Um, but it is true that you did, you did state that it correlates. And I, I can't agree with that because you look at examples, for example, of Pinochet or even look at China. You cited China as an example of the successes of capitalism, yet there's still a lot of inequality there. And, of course, the fact is that China has not liberalized socially at all. Uh, it's still an extremely oppressive regime. And indeed, what it's doing to Uyghur Muslims is specifically horrific. So... And actually, one thing that is notable is that the Uyghur Muslims are being... There's forced labor camps. And... That's feeding into the capitalist system. And of course, that is a critical point, which is that I would say you define freedom, Muhammad, as sort of the ability, your, your rights not being infringed by other people. But I would say that the mere cons, the mere concept of poverty in a world in which we have enough food to feed people is infringing on your freedom. If you are homeless, for example, you don't have freedom to, for example, you may, you're probably not going to be able to get a job. You're far more likely to be imprisoned. Um, 
your your uh your right to live a healthy happy life is in all likelihood taken away from you so i would say that you know there was a time when the best we could do was liberal capitalism but sort of as eden has said about the sort of the this increased automa um automation in economics we shouldn't be working as hard as we are and i would sort of build on that to go as far as to say that you know in a world where poverty should not exist from a level of food produced to number of mouths to feed any amount of poverty is an inf is inherently infringing upon the freedom of those who are impoverished because they don't need to be. Uh, so I would say that it is not the most free because fundamentally things like being jobless in a society where you have to have a job or being homeless or being uh, in poverty or even something as simple as you work a bunch of jobs, but because of the un <clears throat> unequal distribution of wealth within capitalism, you know, a CEO makes billions and billions and billions of dollars and you could barely scrape by. Isn't it infringing upon your freedom to live a happy, fulfilling life when you don't get to pursue anything? Well, meanwhile, there's plenty of money to go around. It's just being concentrated in the pockets of a few fat cats. So a few responses I have to that. For one, okay, so an earlier claim was made that we're actually working. Um, I think it was something like we're working more hours than ever, but the truth is actually on annual working hours have actually declined considerably in the past several centuries. For example, in 1950, it was about 19, 20 hours a year. And today it's somewhere around 17, 20 hours. So it's actually declined too. Uh, Harry, I think we've had a little, um, there's a little, uh, I, I said that there is a relationship between economic freedom and economic growth. I, I didn't say there's a, a relationship between economic freedom and political freedom. I'm definitely not like Milton Friedman arguing that China is gonna embrace freedom all of a sudden. No, I, I disagree with that. So. I do, I am not going to make that claim. Now on the subject of freedom, so we have to go back to our definitions of freedom because I usually said, you know, you, what about the freedom to have like a good life, right? And that sort of thing. Now, the thing is, there is no defensible proposition that says you have freedom to, you know, you should have the freedom for a quote unquote good life because freedom is simply the ability to do as one, as one pleases. That is simply what freedom is to be able to do as one pleases. Now, my specific definition of freedom is essentially negative liberty or classical, uh, you know, the classical definition of liberty as in you are free to do as you wish, as long as you, know, you do not hurt anyone else, right? So if you are going to tax someone else in order to get that tax money, if you're going to, if you're going to be taxed, right, so then give that money to pay for a, for welfare, for a poor person, that infringes on your right to your property and therefore is not freedom. In fact, that's the opposite of freedom. Your, your freedom to hold your money, your property has been infringed upon. So I, that's, what, that's what my disagreement is about. Now, on the subject of automation, the thing is here, we don't know exactly when that post-scarcity society is gonna happen. So if we all start, you know, maybe we can, if we all say something like, let's start working as hard, right? Maybe we can get away with it, right? Or something like that, right? We could actually miscalculate and end up, hey, you know, we've still got hundreds of years more to go. We don't actually know when that point will reach, right? And we don't want to miscalculate that kind of thing. And next, we should remember that in the Industrial Revolution, right? Remember, think 1800s, right? People are saying, oh, the farm worker is going to be replaced by these machines. There's going to be mass unemployment. It's going to be disaster. You know, the, like, the Luddites in England, stuff like that, right? The thing is that that actually wasn't the case because those agricultural workers became manufacturing workers, right? Today, we're doing, we're having a massive transition 
uh, from in the Western world and more developed countries. It's like from, you know, manufacturing workers currently more towards a more service and knowledge oriented economy. And there have been troubles with that. I agree. But that transition seems to be taking place. There isn't any sort of mass unemployment going on because of automation. In fact, here, here's basically what happens, right? If you automate something, right, that opens up opportunity for an unemployed worker to, and in the long run, workers will get retrained and be able to, you know, get a job in more higher skilled uh, place, right? Or a new service job or a new luxury that people want, right? Maybe there's enough free time now to have more leisure, right? So I would say that we should, we should actually, we should be in tune with the historical precedent that there isn't going to be any mass unemployment and we should be continuing with, you know, what we've seen historically. I will say right now, I'm, not exactly sure which one comes first, but interest or inflation and unemployment are the two most feared economic issues. And we're all we're already seeing in politics the creation of jobs being this amazing thing that secures a politician's or a president's spot in like in history or the the good side of history. But I mean that goes to show that we are already fearing the loss of jobs because we're seeing jobs being switched over and we, if we have to, the idea of creating a job just seems so odd to me because most people don't enjoy their jobs and they don't necessarily want to be working, but because capitalism has secured the idea that you have to work for a living, they have to work and we have to be creating more jobs that don't need to be done and we're not able to fully integrate technology and certain corporations are afraid of automating things because they don't want to lay workers off, which would be incredibly unpopular for them. But... Also, I would say the growth of technology has been exponential, and so is the development in science. So, I mean, it's a very different world from 100, 200 years ago and the Industrial Revolution. We have the development of AI is happening really, really fast, which might even mean that we couldn't have a human behind the factory that is working on its own with automation. We would just have AI. Or we also have 3D printing, so we might not need manufacturing at all. We could just manufacture things at our homes with blueprints that we find on the internet. And the internet is this crazy, just, book of information that everyone has access to all the time. And it's completely transforming the way that we exist. And so I think the world is changing so fast that capitalism is becoming obsolete and it's not working as well. And it's not working as well as a different system could. And I think that really we need to keep up with the exponential change we need to be changing things quickly because the world is changing quickly and i think capitalism is just old it's outdated i would i will uh, say one thing oh go ahead mohammed i don't mean to step on uh, your it's your uh oh you can go ahead it's all right all right well i would just say that um I would also, I'm also given to agree with you when you said there have been, quote, difficulties with the transition from the manufacturing to the service economy. Uh, and we've seen uh, the development of Uber, Amazon. There have been a lot of, uh, there have been a lot of problems. The death of unions uh, and the general transition to jobs, stagnation in terms of wages. Uh, so I would say that we have to remember to sort of bring this back. We are talking about our ideal societies. So is the best we can do really a service economy in which you live in constant fear of losing your service job in which you have no protections? And I feel like that at that point, even if you're retrained, unless systematic steps are taken to ensure that service workers can get their can have a voice, worker co-ops, unions, whatever, um, you know, however you might see that. 
I just don't think that the way things are going right now, the transition to the service economy will be anything more than people will be more efficient at being at working for their oppressors unless something changes, unless the trajectory of the economy changes. Mm, I understand your position, and I do agree. Some things have gotten more difficult in the years. I would personally blame that on the government instead of the capitalist system. But I do agree there are current problems at this point in time. I would say that, okay, so for one, on the job satisfaction, I forgot. I think someone said that there's you know a lot of job not there's a lot of people who are not satisfied with their jobs. But I just looked at, okay, I looked at Pew Research Center, right? Because I was curious about this while you guys were talking. And it says that about half of 49% of American workers say they're satis very satisfied with their current job. And three in 10 are somewhat satisfied, which is kind of interesting. But I digress. That's not really important. My my main point is on this, on the, okay, on two things. One is, I think there's that point where automation makes capitalism obsolete. But I would say this is actually what capitalism is all about. Capitalism, okay, the free market is simply the free voluntary exchange of goods and services, which I think is a natural birthright that everyone should be able to do without, you know, being, you know, without someone trying to stop you like the government, right? And capitalism is when someone saves some of their uh, income, right? Instead of, instead of consuming it. And when they say that they, uh, invest that into capital to increase production, right? That is going to have to continue by definition in order to get to a post-scarcity society, you have to improve upon your capital, right? So therefore capitalism cannot actually become obsolete. In fact, it can still be used. Now onto the, you know, work cooperatives, unions, et cetera, these fixes we can do to society. All of those things are allowed under a free market society. If you wanna go ahead and form a worker cooperative, no one is going to stop you. If you want to go ahead and form a union, you can form a union. I think that under a free market society, well, by definition, under a free market society, you are not going to be stopped from doing anything unless, you know, your union goes out and tries to, I don't know, hurt some people, right? So I think that actually free markets are the most, uh, most accommodative to freedom, right? Like any socialist system. Right, like let's let's think like a, a Noam Chomsky type of libertarian socialist system. We all live in our little communes or little syndicates, right? In order to get to that stage, there needs to be a violent overthrow of government, right? So we saw some like revolutionary Catalonia, right? There's a violent overthrow, right? The CNT, FI, it's uh, all the other worker groups, anarchist groups, seize the means of production, right? But all of them, many of them, formed their own little mini governments that terrorized the people, abolished freedom of religion you know, stole property, massacred people, right? They basically just formed little governments of their own. They formed their own mini tyrannies, right? If we try to force this, you know, this type of mass redistribution, the means of production, right? If we try to find this alternative system, all we'll do is centralize power into little communes, which will end up becoming very violent and oppressive, right? So we should stick with voluntary exchange. We should stick with the idea that we shouldn't force people to do things against their will. And that would be my, that's, that summarizes my case with free market capitalism. All right. Well, uh, you hit me really where it hurts, Muhammad, by uh, taking some shots at revolutionary Catalonia. To be clear, according to um, Sir Anthony Beaver, a historian who studied the Spanish Civil War, there was an explosion of violence in the immediate aftermath of the overthrow of the government. However, Beaver largely blames the fact that the nationalist coup that was attempted um, had worked with many elements of the government and that unlike in other areas of Spain, including other areas of Republican Spain and the entire the nationalist and the entirety of the nationalist zone, 
Um, it was largely an immediate explosion, and then they mostly calmed down. Catalonia was among one of the better runs areas in the so in the uh, in Spain throughout the Civil War, according to Bieber. But as we are here, uh, I realize that we have been talking a lot about economic systems, but that is not necessarily the entirety, or specifically the role of government. So uh, I would like to defer to um, Juliet uh, to uh, bring the conversation out of simply capitalism or no to a little bit more broad, because obviously that is the scope of the topic is a little broader than what we've been doing so far. Okay. Um, well, I guess to bring it out of that, we could talk more about like, I don't know, specifics, I guess. Um, thinking about like my ideal society, I know I mentioned being money, not completely moneyless earlier. Um, I guess this ties back into capitalism again. Whatever. Um, I feel like in an ideal society, the only way to completely, like in my mind, to, to be there, to be in an ideal society, or my ideal society, is to be completely classless and I feel like sometimes that can go hand in hand with being moneyless because when there's money there's always going to be class so I was wondering what you guys thought about that specifically like being moneyless or not so I'd like to point out the fact that without money and prices there can be no economic calculation you'd have no idea if the cost of doing something exceeds the actual benefit of doing anything. And you'd probably end up in massive poverty. And this is why every socialist that comes into power, no offense, still uses money and prices. So I would, I would just say a word of caution on money, just my opinion. I would say, Money is 100% necessary for capitalism, but I do think that if we were in an economic system that was more about evenly distributing what people need to them so we didn't need to work quite as much, money wouldn't be as necessary. It, it would be more of kind of bartering for these non-necessary goods, and maybe you'd have some sort of... I, I don't like the idea of money that we have now because money has become so corrupt, and it it's just the one goal of people in society. So I definitely think we'd want to get rid of the dollar and a lot of the currencies that we have now and maybe have some other store of value. But if it was more you have everything you need and you have the ability to get it and you are able to maybe like have choices, you could pick between spaghetti and meatballs one night or like pizza. The both of us are Italians. So I'm not sure it's not that different, but you would have some choices. It wouldn't be completely, like, super communist, just everyone has the exact same thing all the time and has no choices, but the the ability to get what you want would be more trading, and you would be trading, like, art or certain types of clothing or someone's, like, intellectual property, kind of. It wouldn't be you bartering or, like, needing certain things just to survive, because I think that's where money is just really problematic for me. You need, that's, I mean, money is the reason that we have to work just to survive. And I think that resources, you shouldn't have to be buying the things you need to live when we have enough of them just to distribute to keep everyone alive and 
give like everyone a kind of equal right to life? I agree with Eden. I this is sort of contradictory because like in my ideal society you would get rid of like the nine to five work day and make the work week shorter. But I do think that like more value should be placed in labor because like we were saying earlier, there are people working two jobs and barely scraping by. And meanwhile, there's CEOs who have millions of dollars. And I'm not saying those CEOs don't work hard because they do. They, a lot of them are entrepreneurs. But I do think that by placing more value in labor, you're, you would be able to get rid of this huge wage gap. I will say that I personally, I don't believe most uh, CEOs work very hard. That's, you know, that's my controversial take. I believe that, for example, it wasn't Jeff Bezos who built Amazon's empire was all the employees. But I think that's a debate for another time. Um, as for what Muhammad is saying, I'm actually going to come down and I would say that I'm somewhere in the middle here because I do agree that money is a deeply flawed way in which we try and manifest value. However, uh, perhaps it's just the fact that I have uh, been reading up on some economics lately. But there's some there's some fun stuff you can do with money. And the fact is that especially I think what has to be acknowledged is that if we detach money from a lot of the sort of ideas associated with it, it can be a powerful tool to affect change. For example, um, the United States, right, is a currency sovereign, which essentially means that the United States government can print money. With this in mind, imagine how much if as long as the dollar holds significant sway, this gives the U.S. government a lot of power to implement policies. Now, just because the U.S. government has long said we can't afford universal health care, we can't afford universal education, we can't afford this, that or the other. Well, they can. I mean, they've been lying the entire time. But I say this because I think that especially in the short term, money can be very valuable. And I'm not entirely sure how much I would say I think money is deeply flawed and eventually and sort of like the pie in the sky Star Trek, um, we can produce everything. Um, I don't. I think that it would kind of lose its kind of meaning because, of course, there's not really anything you couldn't have at that point. But I think pretty much up to that point, having at least some form of money with with the sort of the preface and the prerequisite that everyone has a sort of basic level of subsistence that is sort of like a middle class life. Everyone gets the middle class life. And I'm talking about real middle class life. I'm not talking about the sort of declining middle class. I'm talking about, you know, 50s, 60s, white middle class of you can send your kid to college. You can live in a nice house. You can buy luxuries. You can go on vacation. These kinds of ideas. Um, but with the idea that I don't think that we should get rid of money until something like Star Trek socialism or whatever, uh, a post-scarcity society completely obviates the concept. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Harry. You used to have a, until there's some post-scarcity society, there is a definite need for money. I mean, I mean, imagine this trying to go to a store, trying to buy something, but wait, there's no money. You have to barter for it, right? And you may not have goods that the grocery store wants. Therefore, you are essentially screwed, right? You can't get what you want. Money, there is a reason why all societies have adopted money. It is far more efficient than barter or any other system. Economic calculation is impossible without money. There is no way to order, have ordinal um, value judgments of prices, uh, sorry, uh, value judgments of what people want to consume and what people want to produce. There's just no way to know if I should produce something or if there, or if I shouldn't produce something, right? Essentially what would happen is you'd produce a bunch of things, you'd end up becoming extremely poor because you would be consuming too much and not producing enough of the things that people want, right? Because there's no way to know what people want. And then you'd end up, you know, in a very poor 
value on society. And as for, so Harry was alluding on MMT, um, the idea of currency sovereign, we can pay for things by printing money. And to an extent, you're correct. I agree that, yes, the US dollar, as long as it is strong and people demand the US dollar, yeah, we can print money and we have been printing a lot of money for the past, I don't know, a hundred years, but specifically in the past year alone, we've what, increased the money supply by 40% or something, right? And we can get away with that. Yes, it's true. But at some point we cannot get away with that, right? At some point, if you print too much money, your currency will come, will lose all its value. This has happened time and time again in almost every his history of almost every country in the world, including the United States, uh, uh, countries have printed too much money. They have ended up, you know, devaluing, having to devalue the currency, right? They lose this value, and people are end up poorer and less off. Like the United States, we try to we try to afford both the Vietnam War and Johnson's uh, Great Society programs at the same time, and then we ended up the inflation rate started ticking up five, six, seven, eight, and then exploded up to 13, 14 percent, and then add on top like an oil crisis. It was a disaster for the U.S. economy. We have to be mindful of the fact that, yeah, we could afford things like uh, universal health care. I personally am not for that, but we could afford those things. You just have to cut spending. You cannot print money uh, without, you know, having any, you know, uh, blowback at some point. You have to be extremely careful with that kind of stuff. And, you know, where you're we're messing with people's millions of people's lives. Right. This is a very dangerous thing to do. That would be my take. Um, kind of in response to that, I think. Definitely the the supermarket kind of metaphor, going to the supermarket and having to pick things and needing to, to barter. I do think that if we were in a post-scarcity society, you wouldn't need to barter. You wouldn't need to trade anything for the goods that are there. You might have like a certain amount of, well, I guess maybe it would be money. It would be some sort of thing that you can trade in for the, like the necessary things that you need. So maybe if you had a certain amount of food, that this does sound like communism, but a certain amount of food that you're allowed to get each, each month or each week and you would go and you'd just get it and you wouldn't need to, to bring something of equal value that that person wants because I agree that makes it super complicated but the idea that you need to, to work for this thing and then trade that thing for another thing that you need more is very much capitalism and I don't, I mean capitalism isn't, doesn't need to be the default. Um, I also think that with 100% inflation is a huge issue and I, capitalism is incredibly delicate, which personally I use as an argument to say that it's just weak, but if we were kind of trying to find ways to pay for more socialist things with the, the government kind of not being able to just print money without really messing with the economy, um, I personally am very much against inheritance and I think that you can... I mean, if we do want the, the true best form of capitalism where it is a meritocracy and you work hard and you get a reward for it, I don't think you should be able to give your reward to your children because that's just skewing, you know, the next generation's ability to work hard for what they kind of deserve or want. And I think that also in the same lane, I think that education should be completely public. You shouldn't be able to pay to give your child a better education because if you wanted to to give your child a better education you could just donate to I mean this is considering there is still money you could donate to some thing or donate directly to the school and they could improve the education for everyone you shouldn't be able to just decide that your child's right to you know have a good life is more important than another child's I think that's incredibly unfair and 
if we want capitalism to work, we need to give everyone the same opportunities because we're not starting on an even playing field. And so the, the whole idea of capitalism doesn't work if some people have more education or more opportunities or you know connections with certain industries and it just if we wanted capitalism to work better i personally think that we'd have to you know make education equal and universal and also get rid of inheritance um i would kind of be interested in hearing what muhammad thinks about getting rid of inheritance because and also kind of universal edu equal education just because that's kind of my way of tailoring capitalism to work a little better well, I don't see the inherent problem with inheritance. As I earlier said, uh, everyone should have the freedom to do as they wish with their property. And if you wish to give your property to your son or daughter or anyone else, uh, then that is your will, right? Uh, at the end of the day, right, remove the government, remove everything else in society. All you have left is you, your will, and things you want to achieve with your will, right? And that's something that is, I believe, sacred. And that is essentially what freedom is, being able to exert your will as long as you, not, you do not hurt anyone. And if you wish to give property to your inheritance as inheritance to someone else, right? I mean, imagine like the government saying, oh, you can't give your, you know, your property to your own son or daughter, or your children, right? I, I, I feel like that's such, a, that's such a terrible thing. And I don't see how this is exactly a bad thing for society, even economically wise, like I think something only like 32% of the Forbes 400 uh, uh, richest people, you know, came from, come from actually wealthy families. There's actually a very high amount of, um, a very high amount of a billionaires, for example, that come from actually poorer or middle-class backgrounds than most people think. There is a lot of uh, mobility in the economy, more so than people, you know, think. And I mean, inheritance, right? I, I, it's, it's not like the money is money or assets are like stagnant, right? You like most people, they keep money in like stocks or bonds or something like that. And those uh, help uh, the economy, right? If you invest in a stock, right? Then you're giving money to a company to continue capital production, to increase consumer goods, right? And that's a good thing because then everyone's real wages increases and prices decline, which is good. And in the long run, it's good, right? You know, for the past few decades, we've seen, you know, TVs, computers, phones, all those prices going down, right? That's a side effect of all that investment, especially from, you know, stock market, rich people. So I don't see how there's anything inherently wrong with this uh, inheritance. If I may posit a clarification, I do believe um, that Muhammad made a very compelling case against sort of a position. But if I'm not wrong, uh, it's important to understand the distinction between personal and private property. So, for example, I am a very big Mariners fan. And yeah, I think it would be nice if I have kids to have, be able to pass down my collection of Mariners bobbleheads. But that's not really worth that much. You know what I mean? That's a sentimental thing. However, if you pass down like three separate properties to your kids, I mean, they're just set. You know, they can sell a property and they'll have tons of money. Um, you know, they can keep properties. Basically... But if I if I am understanding someone who said so to be clear, I don't want to speak for uh, the person who spoke before, but I assume that there is a distinction in the sort of getting rid of inheritance between personal property, something like a bobblehead that's not that worth that, not worth that much versus something like a massive property. Right. Am I understanding that there is a difference between personal and private property? Um, yes, definitely. I think that it would it's more the things that are taking away from someone else's livelihood and I do um I don't know were you done talking or did you have more to say 
No, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, I kind of want to argue with Muhammad on the idea that your freedom or the, the main kind of tenet of freedom is just the ability to do what you want without taking away someone else's ability to do that. Because I do think with, I mean, you've argued quite a lot that we still live in a society that with, with a lot of scarcity. I would argue that someone else's ability to have a certain thing is taking away someone else's ability to have that thing. And so if CEOs have all of this money and are making super large sums of money each month or year, that is taking away from someone else's ability to have that money because we can't just create money. There is a finite amount of money and if we're trying to, you know, get out of incredible inflation, we can't make any more. And so there's such a finite amount, someone else having a thing takes away from your ability to have that thing. And even more so, having a certain education or access to resources and having parents with all this money and the ability to buy you education or buy your way into a certain industry or something, that is taking away from someone else because everything in capitalism you have to compete for. If you have a better education and more, you know, resources, you are going to outcompete the person who lived in poverty or even lower middle class or even middle class and didn't get a great education and doesn't have access to all those opportunities. Cause, so I do think that Freedom, I mean, your definition of freedom is just leaving a lot out, and it's very convenient for arguing that capitalism is good, but there are a lot of different forms of freedom, and I think that, that I don't know, I'm not, you're not incredibly free if you're in capitalism, you have to work for a living, you need a certain job, and you also don't have the, you know, equal education to everyone else, and so certain people are always going to have more power than others. And that I mean, that doesn't sound like a free society to me. So again, if I'm I, my def so I mean it comes down to the different definitions. As I said, uh, you're implying that you know freedom is freedom, basically to have to be entitled to certain things, right? Um, I'm saying that that's not freedom. That's that's not what freedom is. I'm saying freedom is the ability to be able to do things, right? As long as you're not hurting anyone else. As long as you're not let's say, let's say, you know, there's, uh, I should be entitled to uh, a land grant uh, from someone else, right, for whatever reason, right? Um, that's not freedom, because you're stealing someone else's property, right? I'm saying freedom is to be able to start your own business, right? As long as you know, your business is not on someone else's land, right? That's what I'm trying to say. That's, that's what I'm saying is, is true freedom. And I think the word freedom is, if we want to be real, it's more liberty than freedom. I think liberty is probably a better word for my definition, freedom. I think fundamentally, it's the best. Uh, it's, it's the least, um, how should we say, it's problematic and conflicting definition of freedom because inherently it is non-aggressive. It is non-violent. It is peaceful and it makes sure that people are able to basically fulfill their dreams with without, you know, causing further violence. All the other, the, what you suggest is essentially mass, is essentially what a lot of governments do to actually it's commonplace, right? Ta massive, ta you know, taxation or whatever, or stealing people's property in order to fund certain things. That's what I am against. And that is what, that's the antithesis of freedom. I mean, if I'm being taxed by someone, my freedom is being lost. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm arguing that we shouldn't be doing that. We should be focused on how can we guarantee those things instead? And if you want those things guaranteed, then you have then you have to pay up, right? Because you know you can't expect something return for nothing.
Um, real quick, I do you think that we don't need certain things in order to, to have the ability to do other things? I think that I need food in order to work, and I need money in order to buy a business. And so you do need a certain set of things in order to have the ability to do other things. And I think a lot of the time in capitalism, uh, you know, a CEO has a lot more money and a lot more power within the economic system to do what he wants or what she wants if it was more equal gender-wise. But I, do, I don't think that you can have the freedom to do what you want, whether or not, or as long as it doesn't infringe upon someone else, if not everyone has the same ability and not everyone has, you know, the same resources that you do need in order to do certain things. So I do think you, you, I mean, freedom should mean that you are, you need to have a certain set of things. You're entitled to a certain amount of things in order for you to have the ability to do other things. Yeah, so again, um, it's come down to basically our opposing definitions of freedom and, you know, which one is better, essentially. So we're entering a value debate. It does and, appear. Oh, sorry, yeah, so are we... Uh, no, I mean, do you want to go down that road or not? That's my No, I, I was about to say. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that can get very, very sketchy very quickly. Yeah, so... <laughs> It looks like, folks, we have reached something of an impasse uh, when it comes to concrete uh, proposals. So with that being said, I will be turning uh, real quick. We're going to turn over to everyone's going to have about, you know, two minutes or so to make their final case for their ideal society. I believe that an ideal society is one that fundamentally prioritizes the freedom of its citizens. And I don't just mean the freedom in the most literal basic, and I would, I would argue, reductive sense that my colleague Muhammad states it as. I believe things like freedom of poverty, freedom to actually pursue what you're interested in, even if that, even if that is something that capitalism doesn't consider profitable, I still believe you should be able to pursue that dream. And with that in mind, my society would be essentially the minimal possible use of a central government to provide services like uh, government-run, centralized, universal, single-payer healthcare, uh, in answer because I believe the government can do it better, a central government can do it better. But outside of that, a clear de-evolution of power um, and decentralization in which we have increasingly localized communities, which encourages individual participation. I want to see more direct democracy, but I recognize that we're not, you know, we're simply too large. The United States is too large to have every issue voted on by people. Therefore, we need to concentrate power in more localized communities. I believe that my vision of the world, of my ideal world, is strictly anti-capitalist. I believe that while we should that while a market should remain until we reach post-scarcity. That being said, um, it should be one in which workers do own the means of productions, uh, production through not through nationalization, not through the state, but rather through worker cooperatives and union power. So, in essence, I would state that my priority would be a a central government that is as weak as possible while still being able to provide the services of a basic subsistence living of middle class and very, I would say what is by our standards, upper middle class living, and then also certain services like healthcare, which the central government is best suited to perform. Otherwise, I would like to see a democratization of power in the workplace, in local communities. Uh, and I would like to see essentially a society that will be prepared to wait out uh, the time until we reach post-scarcity in which everyone can still survive before we get there. I guess I'll go then. Um, so in summary, my positions, I first have to agree on some things with all of you. I think we'd all agree on a 
general decentralization of power. I think we'd all agree on relative democracy, at least to some extent. And I think we'd all agree on relatively, you know, allowing people to live as they want. Uh, if they want to smoke weed, that's okay, right? Things like that. Um, and when it comes to the economic sphere, I my definition of freedom, as I said earlier, is to be able to do as one wishes, fulfills life, his or her life's dream as they want without hurting, you know, someone else or infringing on someone else's freedom. When say government taxes you in order to pay uh, for some for someone else's stuff, right? They're infringing on your freedom, on your right to property, right? In order to help to basically steal and give that to someone else's, to give that to someone else, and therefore it's an obvious violation of freedom. So, in that, therefore, my next logical conclusion is basically therefore we have to have a system of free markets. Yes, it will be guaranteed by the government. The government will be there uh, in order to make sure there's a rule of law, make sure to that contracts are upheld, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure there's you know security, but by and large, free markets will be upheld. There will be freedom of exchange, uh, you know, freedom to give out goods and services. And the empirical record shows that as we've used uh, as capitalism, free markets have taken hold. There's been an enormous increase in the living standards of people all around the world. In Africa, for instance, only 40 years ago, the uh, GDP per capita was you know was something like. Uh, what, 40, 50% lower than it is today. So there's been mass improvement there. In Asia, countries like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh have grown, their GDP per capita have grown like double in the past, like 40, 50 years as they've adopted more free market approaches. United States became the richest country in the world by adopt, by with its, well, it emerged as a free market society. And because of that, it became the richest country in the world. And lastly, it is the most fulfilling, I would argue, because people are free to choose, go about their own dreams as they wish without any coercion, or any force of violence put upon them, which all other systems will inevitably do. And so people are free to pursue their dreams as they want. Um, I can go next. Um, I think that my ideal society is a classless, moneyless society. I think there should be more value placed in, on labor, um, but also like simultaneously progressing towards the increase of machines doing everyday jobs. So like moving towards a post-scarcity society. Um, I believe that an ideal society is anti-capitalist and has a government that provides universal health care and basic needs for everyone. Um, ideally, the government, until we reach a post-scarcity society, uh, would be able to be easily impacted by the people and wouldn't overstep their boundaries. Um, I think I agree with a lot of the things that Harry and Juliet said. And, you know, some of the, some of the characteristics of Muhammad's society also, um, if we were to have capitalism, which I know it's, it takes a long time for, you know, governments to get overthrown and societies to be reworked. So I know we're talking ideal, but if it's my more practical ideal, I think the abolition of inheritance you know, the implementation of universal basic income and more systems of direct democracy would definitely work us towards my ideal society. And I do think we should try to fully integrate technology as much as we can to eliminate the need for wage labor and manufacturing and all these, you know, industries that people don't necessarily, or the things that people have to do just to survive that they don't necessarily enjoy. Because I do think having to do things that you don't want to do just to live does inherently take away 
your freedom and you're not in entirely free if you just have the ability to do what you want with your money but not the ability to to pick how you're getting your money um and i also think that uh, i think that if we were to reach post-scarcity a resource-based economy where everyone had what they needed and we didn't focus so much on just working for what you need you just you have that inherently because we're trying to be a free society i think that that would be my ideal society i also think with econ or with capitalism right now we need to have access to the same opportunities so equal education access to health care the things that do give you the ability to work um and the ability to have your labor as a bargaining chip in this economic system that your only value comes with labor. And I think that personally, we're really reaching the point where capitalism is obsolete. I think that there's no other, there's no new way for us to make our systems more productive. So people have begun exploiting their workers and exploiting the environment to try and improve their competition within these markets because they can't just make a more productive system. The systems have become almost as productive as they can. So I think that capitalism is be pretty much obsolete now, and we should try to come up with a system that works better, because we have improved the standard of living by crazy amounts with capitalism, but I think capitalism was a stepping stone, and we need to move past it, because it is kind of collapsing, it's falling apart, there's the hollowing of the middle class, and you know, increased poverty, the fact that we still have world hunger when we have enough food to feed 10 billion people, is just not equal, it's not fair, it's not just, and I don't think that that would, I mean, that definitely would not be present in my ideal society, so I, I do think that we should work on kind of trying to work past capitalism and come up with alternatives. I'm not sure exactly what mine looks like yet, but. All right, so uh, that will do it for this episode of Swing Vote. Um, I hope you have gained a sort of a certain degree of perspective and perhaps clarified your own position or been introduced to some interesting new ideas. Unfortunately, no one was an actual distributist. Um, so unfortunately, the popes of the late 1800s will have to uh, unfortunately recognize that their their ideology is a little obviated. That being said, I hope you enjoyed. We hope to catch you next time. Uh, stay safe and thank you for listening.